Welcome to The Yoga Show from Yoga Journal, a bi-monthly podcast about all things creative, practical, and spiritual flowing through the yoga community today. I'm your host, Lindsay Tucker, executive editor of Yoga Journal. For the final installment of our four-part series on creativity, we're talking about creativity through adversity. We've all seen our worlds change in the past few months. We've had to adapt the way we live, the way we communicate, and the way we do business in order to ensure the safety of ourselves and others. This means for the first time for many of us, our yoga routines as we knew them were put on hold. Swinging by the studio on the way home from work is no longer an option, but technological advances that connect us with teachers directly through our phones, computers, or televisions means that the idea of what it means to take a yoga class is finally changing. With that in mind, we set out to discuss the creative solutions technology is affording the yoga community right now. Will the studio model exist post-COVID? Have we found something better? We sat down with two industry leaders to find out. We're here today with Colleen Zaidman-Yee, international yoga teacher, author of Yoga for Life, co-director of Urban Zen Integrative Therapy Program, and studio owner of Yoga Shanti. Hi, Colleen. Hey, Lindsay. What's up? So pleased to have you here today. Thank you. Me too. Thanks for coming on the show. We are also here with Sean Porter, novice yoga practitioner and CEO of Union, which is a new platform for live streaming events. Hi, Sean. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here today. So the three of us are connecting so that we can talk about creative yoga solutions in the time of COVID and the future of the practice. So welcome and thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it's the hot topic, huh? Sure is. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, Sean, given that you have this new platform that has been um, utilized to live stream yoga classes as of recently, I'd love for you to just give us a little bit of background of Union, how it came to be, and what it's being used for right now. Sure. Um, so, Union, uh, I've been working on Union with my co-founder for about a year and a half. And prior to working on Union, um, have been in this weird sort of niche in technology where I've always used the internet to bring people together to have kind of transcendent group experiences. So I, you know, after doing that for a long time, um, I sort of didn't know what I was going to do next. And so I took some time off and I decided that I was going to, for the first time, get in shape. So of course I go out and overdo everything and buy a bike and start riding my bike all the time and have, have a really bad bike injury where I go to physical therapy. And the therapist says, hey, I want you to do this thing called child's pose. I want you to do this thing called cat cow. And I was like, hey, aren't, aren't these yoga poses? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I should go to yoga instead of doing yoga for 10 minutes every other week with you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my joke is that I came for the asana, but I stayed for the pranayama. I just really found a real connection with the practice. And it really Uh, helped me personally. Um, But I found kind of that the experience as a student um, could use some improvement. It was pretty intimidating for me to start. You know, it's just a big kind of wall of Sanskrit and ones and twos. And um, and so, of course, I, you know, keep going. I'm going to yoga for six months. I'm saying, hey, this is just my practice. But there's, of course, a voice in the back of my head saying that uh, maybe there's an opportunity to help. So, uh, was able to talk to my my co-founder who worked with me at at uh, at Gigbot and at Ticketfly, and started on Union and and our vision was always that it was going to be a blend of 
transcendent in-person group experiences and convenient, accessible online ones, that there was going to be this streaming component. Um, and then, you know, that, that vision got quite a bit accelerated by the pandemic. Colleen, you've had a unique experience, or maybe not super unique, unfortunately, as of late. Um, tell us what's been happening with your studio since the pandemic. Um, yeah, my studio in Tribeca, I actually had to close. Um, I figured in New York City, well, a few things uh, happened, but I doubted I was going to be able to keep people six feet apart and still make the studio float. Um, also, it was just such a, a big hit, um, sort of so abruptly closing in the middle of teacher training. Um, so, and, and I had never done anything live uh, before. Well, that's not true, actually. I've been doing Facebook Live for a while, mm. uh, 15 minutes on Tuesdays. Um, but I'd filmed hundreds of videos like, you know, for Gaia and Peloton and, and whatnot, but there was always the difference between teaching and filming. Um, and then I have a studio in Sag Harbor that I've had for 22 years and today would actually be the big day, right? The beginning of Memorial Day is when we just start cranking yeah. And, um, you know, we go from maybe 60 people a day to 200 people a day going through the studio and really have only about 10 weeks to make the our profit, you know, really for the year to be able to pay my manager full time. I'm paying, you know, premium rent. Mm-hmm. Um, I have very senior teachers, so I also have to pay them well. A lot of them have been with the, with me for, you know, all of the 22 years. Um, so that's, you know, devastating in a way. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know when we're going to be able to open, you know, here in New York, uh, things are a little bit slower than in the, in the rest of the United States for the obvious reasons. Um, but what is kind of interesting is we have turned my studio here in Sag Harbor into a recording studio. Oh. Uh, and we've hung drapes and soundboard, and uh, we've turned it into four different rooms with four different backgrounds um, and you know, bought professional lights. And uh, so we're doing a ton of you know, live streaming out of that right now. Oh, cool. And it's yeah, and it's proven to be quite lucrative, uh, funny enough. So it, it was a really pleasant surprise that the first Zoom class that we did, the first live streaming class that we did, um, we had over 200 people. And, you know, all these people that we travel around the world and we get to teach, like we teach in London once a year, we teach in Singapore, we teach in, um, you know, obviously the West Coast. So all of these people were able to come on and reconnect Um so, I mean, we keep them all on mute. We don't see them till the end because there's, there's too many. And at the end, we sort of, yay, what's up? And we can see yeah. them uh, leaving the meeting. Um, so that's been like a, actually a godsend, I have to say. Um, I miss being able to pull people's thighs back and downward facing dog and, you know, yeah. to do the manual adjustments and to hear them chanting back to me and um, things like that. I really miss. I miss the smell. Isn't that bizarre? Mm. Um, so there is things about the in-person, um, that I'm longing for, uh, but you know what? And once we do get reopened, it, obviously it's not going to be at full capacity. We're putting so many restrictions. Yeah. We're only going to let 25%, uh, 
uh, in. You have to wear masks. You have to register. Uh, you have to take your map. You take your, uh, your your map place before we let the next person in. Like you know, many many stipulations. Um, but what we're hoping to do, and I hope that this uh, works out, is especially the the classes that were usually at capacity. Um, we'll live stream them at the same time. So what I'm hoping is, you know, we'll let 20 people in rather than 80. And uh, maybe we can get another 80 uh, zooming in or, you know, whatever um, mode of zoom in that we use. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's definitely shifting. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, it's shifting. I don't dislike it. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I get more nervous, mm -hmm. which is sort of interesting. I'm not quite sure why that is. You know, teaching a live class, I can go in, I can read the room. Right. Um, you have that in-person you know, connection to sort of calm yeah. nerves. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see, like, if I walk in and people are all sort of laying down in a restorative pose, or if they're like, if there's like this vibrant energy and, you know, people are kicking up to handstand as they're waiting for the teacher to come in. So you read the room and you can deliver um, what will uh, both balance and meet them where they are. And that's more difficult, um, obviously, on the, uh, on the live streaming. Uh, mm -hmm. But then there's the aspect of I can teach whatever I want. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. like, um, so that's, you know, I don't dislike it. I would like to be able to have both. Yeah. And that both is even an option um, is, uh, is brand new and, and pretty right. mind-blowing, actually. We'll be right back after these messages. theme that we've been talking about for the past four issues of this podcast is creativity and taking this opportunity to talk about the creative solutions that we're seeing within the yoga community, um, especially teachers, studio owners, people like yourself, Sean, um, to come up with ways to keep the practice going and, and innovate. And so with, with what you're saying here, you know, now we can have both, whereas before we had this model that has been around forever. It's basically you go to a studio. If you become a yoga teacher, you got try and get some studio space. So let's talk about where we see the future of the practice going now that we were sort of forced into this progression. Yeah, I, I think um, funnily enough, last night, you know, knowing the theme was creativity, I was watching this Rick Rubin documentary, which is amazing. But uh, there, there was a speaker on there, Seth Godin, who basically said that creativity is the process of making change happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, you know, definitely what's happening. I mean, from, from our side, you know, it's funny, the first streaming classes that we did were in a studio environment, mm -hmm. but that only lasted about, and, and we like that because it gives you that real sense. You know, a lot of times teachers aren't demonstrating they're not doing the poses, right? They're leading and they're doing that sort of thing. So having kind of the best of both worlds where if uh, you're practicing and there's a pose that you don't know, you can kind of look around and see how other students are doing it is helpful. Um, but I think, you know, for us, what, what's been really powerful about Union that um, has really resonated with teacher, I think there's a couple different things. One is 
anything that we live stream, we also record in the, as a replay so that students can play it later. Mm. So it's been really powerful about that. Um, one of our first clients, Kula Yoga in New York, uh, from Skyler, Skyler Grant, co-founder of Wanderlust, and um, Nikki Villea, uh, they have been doing this really great stuff where they'll do a class, they'll live stream a class, but then afterwards they'll go back and edit it and say, we worked on Lulabanda, we worked on these poses, we did a hip opener. And so now, um, if you really connect with Nikki, and, and she's, I mean, she's a fantastic teacher, she's been teaching for 20 years, you can just, it's not just soup of the day. I mean, the class experience is kind of soup of the day. There's no menu, you show up and hopefully you like it, hopefully you don't. But um, if you want to deepen your practice and you want to work on something specific, it's hard to get that in that environment. So now these, these really tenured teachers are basically building this, this library of content um, that lets people really kind of dip in and dip out and try certain things, or if they're in the mood for this type of class, they can take that, which has been um, powerful. And then we're also seeing, you know, kind of the ability to time shift. So um, we, we have a lot of uh, folks on the platform that aren't traditional studios, so we have, you know, Gary Kraftsau of the American Vin Yoga Institute, Shiva Ray. And so Shiva will teach a class in the morning in California. And then she'll have people in Spain that say, hey, I registered for it because I'm going to I'm going to do the class when I wake up 12 hours later. Uh, so that's been pretty interesting that now we we have these people that have just such a. A deep lineage and just such a deep skill set they can now really kind of capture that knowledge in a way that they couldn't before in the class experience, which has been pretty powerful. Right, so you're kind of creative and creating an archive that's now on demand and the reach is endless. And, and it's the same, it's not an, you know, in the past that would involve getting a studio, getting a bunch of cameras, getting someone to edit, you know, in Final Cut and this, they really just push the button to start the class and push the button to end it and that's, that's all they have to do, you know? So it's, um, it's kind of that same modality that they're used to, but then it just builds this archive, which is really powerful. And then, you know, just the ability for me as a practitioner, the only way that I could have done Pranayam with Gary would have been if I'd gone to one of his events in Austin or New York or whatever. But now, you know, for $10, I can drop in and do, you know, a Brahmana, Samana, um, pranayam with him which is amazing right mm -hmm. i can do it in 30 minutes from my house uh and that's I, I think it's really cool just as a as a practitioner to have that access to all these different teachers and styles and and just various things that you didn't really have before yeah colleen i think that was something you mentioned last week that you and your husband rodney were um having this practice experience with some teachers you know in france that you haven't had access to as of late Richard Richard Rosen has been one of my uh, favorite teachers, and uh, he comes to you know my studio twice a year. But now I have access to him uh, twice a week, and you know we're in the middle of a we were in the middle when uh, th when this pandemic hit of a three hundred hour advanced teacher training, and we have thirty eight people in the training, and uh, Richard Rosen was one of the main teachers. So now, um, you know, we, we've moved the whole thing online and only two people dropped out, which I was oh, wow. surprised. I thought, yeah, I thought we'd have a lot more fallout. Um, 
So for us to say, okay, you're going to study Sanskrit this week, here are the classes you're going to take. You're going to do breath work with Richard Rosen, here's the classes you're going to take. We actually have much more directive and connection with these 36 participants. Um, you know, we're with them, you know, for the, the long weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then all of mine and Rodney's Zoom classes are also mandatory. And we're able to structure them. I like what Sean was saying about, um, you know, being able to have a library of very specific offerings. Like my Tuesday Zoom class is always sort of a pose of the week. Mm. And um, we build up to something very specific. Uh, this week, the pose of the week was Urdhva um, Mukha Pashimottanasana. And so I put that picture out on Instagram. I give some simple things, and then I teach the hour a Zoom class on that one specific pose and you know how to warm up for it, how to build up for it, what to engage, what to let go, um, the attitude, and how you can do it as a beginner or an, a very advanced practitioner. Um, that, yeah, but now those Zoom classes they're uh, actually more specific in some ways than a general open class. Um, and it's a lot of the same students, like our teacher trainings are required to take all of our Zoom classes. And uh, so I, I think I could take like all of my Tuesday classes and turn it into a course because they're very specific. Um, and then uh, what Rodney does a lot of times on his um, Zoom class on Friday, he takes something very specific to work on. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, the groin in the armpits. And so, again, that's stuff that can be uh, cataloged quite easily. So, yeah, the convenience for Rod and I to be able to attend these other teachers' classes that we would, you know, we probably just wouldn't be able to do because we're so busy that we would not fly across the country um, to take their classes. We'll continue to kind of have the practice in place with teachers at home, and I think increasingly we'll see what, what you're going to do at Yoga Shanti and other places where it'll be a blend. It'll feel more like you're attending a class, and then you'll be able to have other students that um, you'll be able to kind of practice with and, and just have that sense of community. It's like, for me, I like to go to Ellen's class on 1030, and I know the regulars, and I know how she cues, and just having that access to that um, on a Saturday at 10:30, when maybe, you know, my wife's out of town, is is it, it's a sense of normalcy and a rhythm, and um, it's it's much better than just finding some random video and, and trying to follow along. Okay, one of the things that we do need to brainstorm and become a little more creative with is you know, Rod and I do the Zoom classes and they're well attended and we offer Zoom packages which holds people accountable so they pay for the whole week and we give them some bonus material as well. Um, but if our classes are available for 24 hours, that means there's always gonna be one of our classes available. And what? how does that leave the other teachers, like the younger teachers that are really, really good but they haven't um, been able to build up their following yet? So that's one of the things that concerns me as far as this, uh, the live streaming goes and the, these different platforms is, uh, again, there's access to the more senior teachers, but how do the younger teachers that are doing the teacher training, how are they going to thrive and be able to get an audience? Yeah, I, I think um, just just one step back, the, the, the real benefit of the library, you know, historically in the studio business, 
if you wanted to scale the business and you wanted to, you know, make it be more successful financially, the only way to do that was to add, add locations, add classes, add teachers. That was really your only path because, you know, it was, uh, uh, to make a nerdy, you know, Blade Runner reference, it was every class was like tears in the rain. It was just gone. You know, you could have a, tra- a completely amazing class and the second it was over, it was done. And there's something really beautiful and human about that. But there's also something very sad where, you know, if you're if you're if you've been teaching for 20 years, um, there's no record of that. Right. And so what's been really powerful with with the ability to replay is that. Now, as a teacher, you can really focus on quality and you can have these, you know, really work on something and, and have it be a passive revenue stream. So we're even starting to see that with some of our earliest customers on, in terms of streaming, they're actually starting to see more replays or an equal amount of replays as they are live stream attendances. And we hear from um, students and they're like, you know, what's been amazing is I love my 9 a.m. class. And I love the teacher and I love the style and I love the, the other attendees, but I've started to do it now at five because it's this amazing break. You know, we're all working from home. Uh, we're all, you know, here with our partners and our kids and all that. And so they're like, it's, it's having this ability to take that class that I love so much and have it break sort of my work day to my, um, you know, my time at home with my family has been really powerful. And I think for younger teachers, um, You know, the other nice thing is that it is, they have the ability to build this library and have this content as well so that you can experience them for the first time online. It's not going to be like, well, I've never taken that person's class, so I'm not going to. If you have a, you know, with a lot of our customers, you get kind of unlimited access to replays with your membership. Colleen, I do want to circle back to this idea about teachers um, because something that you and I spoke about last week was how it was kind of heartbreaking for you. You were, you and Rodney were sort of nurturing these younger teachers and now with your studio closing, um, that's been terrible. Um, and I'm wondering, I'm thinking about both sides of the coin, how studios traditionally have been the gatekeepers for teachers. You know, we have a lot more certified yoga teachers than are actually teaching. Um, and so on one hand, I'm wondering like, is this the future, sort of the democratization of yoga, the good content's going to rise to the top, or do we still need studios to nurture these, these people? And, and what are your students or your younger teachers saying and experiencing? Uh, I think we definitely still are going to need studios. Um, I think that that human to human contact is incredibly important, right? You need to be able to read somebody's eyes to know that they're really understanding. Yeah. Um, the newer teachers, what I'm doing with them right now is we do meet with them on Zoom and answer any questions they might have. And right now they're doing Facebook Live, and that's you know donation-based only. So they're not competing with the senior teachers um, for an audience. Uh, but, yeah, it is breaking my heart. I That's my main, main uh concern with what's going on right now is that these newer teachers are going to drop by the wayside and they are there are some of them that have great potential but maybe nobody's ever going to be know it or they're left be, be able to realize it unless the studio is able to get up and running at full capacity um, so that's yeah that is one of my biggest concerns 
Uh, again, the teacher training program is still robust, and I don't think that you need to want to be a teacher to take the training program. I think it's it's still uh, incredibly valuable for your life. Mm-hmm. It gives you uh, tools, and a lot of those can be parlayed, um, you know, virtually. And you know, you may never be a teacher, but maybe that's not your aim anyway. Yeah. But but for the ones that have put in, you know three to five years and now it feels like the rug's just been pulled out um, that's where it's that's where it's difficult I think a large part of yoga is the community and what how much of that are we missing now all of it you know no no I don't think we are missing <laughs> no. all of it I really don't it's amazing the community that you can have online Mm. Uh, you know, at the end of class, Rodney and I are always like, hey, Karen, oh my God, you've been here every day this week. Hey, Susie. Oh, yeah. Hey, Raphael. Like there still is that connection and then they can talk to each other as well, um, especially in the classes that aren't that busy. I know some of our other teachers that are getting 25, 30 students. It's still very much of a, a community. Um, so I don't think you have to lose that completely. Let's take a quick break for these messages. Sean, I'd love to hear from you on your perspective on the need for studios and and YTT and how, what are you hearing from your clients? Yeah, I mean, to Colleen's point, um, just very briefly on studios, every studio that we've worked with has really prioritized the well-being of their teachers, even frankly, in some cases above themselves or the studio. So that's um, been really powerful to see. And, and I think too, just from my own experiences as a practitioner, you know, if, if yoga is this journey of a thousand steps, the typical class experience gets you about the first 10. Mm. Um, so the two traditional ways that there have been to kind of deepen your practice are privates or, um, private sessions with, with instructors or kind of YTT. And for, for me personally, um, I kind of found privates to be, um, kind of not, not perfect. Like if there were just various things that I wanted to work on, like if I have a 60 minute private and I want to work on chaturanga, I can work on chaturanga for about five minutes before my muscles are fried. And then I can't do that anymore. Right. And so it, it, kind of felt lumpy. And then for me personally, like I would love to, to deepen my practice, but I didn't necessarily see, you know, actually teaching kind of in my, in my immediate path, cause I'm a bad teacher and I'm busy and all these other kinds of things, but I, but I want to deepen my practice. And so what I think is, um, you know, the opportunity that, that a lot of these things moving online with, with everything that, you know, Colleen was saying, um, is that ability to, to really kind of find those other steps and define that path for yourself. So if you, you know, for me, it's been amazing. We've got Liberation Lab, uh, Jules, sort of teaching Jiva Mukti from, from Berlin. Um, I can now, you know, join and do that. I can kind of find and pull maybe all these styles or teachers that weren't available to me and the things that that are really captivating or really move me, I can kind of go, go deeper on and then I can do that live. I can watch it later. Um, I actually really have loved, you know, I like Nidra, but I think Nidra is a good example of something that works better online than in the studio, because it's like, 
you go to the studio at eight at night, you lay down, you get the little pillow, close your eyes, you're completely relaxed, it feels amazing, and then you got to get up and go mm-hmm. home and do all that stuff. So the ability to just like have your AirPods in, do Nidra with your eyes closed in your own bed, and then switch off your phone and go to sleep is incredible. So I think, you know, I, again, too, I've, I don't think there's any substitute for a hundred people packed in a room, breathing the same breath, chanting the same mantra. But I do believe that this hybrid, this future hybrid experience really can kind of bring out um, the best of both worlds. Yeah, I agree. I think the time, you hit upon something important there. I think that the the time savings, so that's a definite plus is when you want to take a 40-minute class or an hour class, it's going to be only an hour. One of the other things that I like is when it's not interactive, when you can pop on and if you get frustrated or you're not um, vibing with what's going on, you can just pop off without hurting anyone's feelings. Um, When I take a class, again, you know, I'm fairly busy uh, and I I don't want to take a chance. Like I'm not going to go to somebody's class that is not already, that I don't already trust. Uh, partly because I don't want to uh, be rude and get up and leave. And I don't want to have to endure, um, say it's somebody's voice that grates me, like voices to me is the most important um, aspect. So in that way, it's nice. You can uh, sort of have a smorgasbord and stay when you want and leave when you don't want. Uh, and also the, the time commitment, I think, is a huge consideration. And... Uh, the convenience of it for online. But again, you're never going to get what you can get, uh, you know, body to body. Yeah. I, I always think, you know, about kind of my, my previous world in live music and, you know, the absolute best way to experience a band is to go to the show and be in, be in the front and everybody's jumping up and down and singing along. But I, I still want Spotify. Like, <laughs> I, that's not the only way I experience music, right? right. I still want to listen to it when I'm home or working or exercising or whatever else. So, um, yeah, it's it's for me, it's it's not an or, it's an and for sure, and, and both have their place. Yeah, it's interesting with music. I'm a music fanatic as well. Um, and, you know, one of my main pleasures and one of my uh, resolutions is to hit two concerts a month no matter where I am or what I'm doing. I, I buy the tickets, I put up my calendar and nothing gets in the way or almost nothing. Yeah. Um, and you know, listening to them on Spotify is great. Actually, Neil Young wrote a beautiful article. I can't remember what I read it in. It might've been Rolling Stone. And he was saying the reason that you get touched much more at an, uh, a live performance is because of the imperfections. He's like, there's something about that sort of vibe where when it's perfectly mixed in the studio and it's all smooth, there isn't, it's like when you're having a conversation with somebody and you could, you can see the tears well up or you can see um, that something real is happening right then. And I, I, I mean, honestly, that's the difference, I believe. I, I'll, I'll try to find that link and send it to you when we get off. But it was just, it hit home so uh so close that it, that's the difference between the online. But the truth is you can still get that on virtual because you're still making mistakes. I'll still slip up and say a cuss word. 
Um, and if it's live, you can't really go back and edit that out. I mean, well, I, I think that's, you know, for, for us, what we found is that, yeah, people want that connection and they want that experience and they want that normalcy. They want to go to their, you know, 6.30 a.m. Thursday class with the teacher they've been seeing for 10 years, right? That that's, it's not about, and we did a bunch of surveys actually before we ever built um, any streaming product. And what we found was, you know, we all sort of went in assuming that it was going to be, you know, someone on a volcanic rock in Hawaii with waves, you know, crashing behind them. And, and, and what we actually found was the number one thing that students care about is audio, how good it sounds, which, which makes sense because if you're practicing, um, you're, you shouldn't be looking at the teacher most of the time, right? You're not watching the screen in down dog. You're not, you know, audio is really important. Um, and then, and just that kind of connection and that realness was so much more important to them than the, than the production value. Yeah, I think audio is the most important as well because you don't really want to be straining your neck to look at the screen all the right. time. And there's sometimes that I'll say, okay, everybody, look at the camera now. I want to show you what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, even in the middle of a flow class, if I'm teaching what might be considered a flow class. Yeah, just like if you would demo in a normal class. Yeah, it's like just stop and watch because you're going to be on your back. You're not going to be able to see me. I don't want you, if you're in a Setta Bandhasana or Halasana or Shalama Sharvangasana, I don't want you turning your head to look at me. That's a great way to get injured. Um, right. So, yeah. Great. Well, thank you both. And as we wrap up this discussion, I just want to open it back up to hear from either one of you on um, if you have any last thoughts on the future of yoga, creative solutions in this space, you know, what have uh, One of the things I think, I mean, no, personally that I've gained and everyone I've spoken to, we're actually doing a lot more yoga <laughs> than we ever have before. Uh, one, we have the time. And uh, two, we have the accessibility online. So I'm in better yoga sh shape now than I've been in in 20 years, probably. Also, I'm practicing when I'm teaching. So yeah. I'm clocking in, you know, three to four hours of, uh, of yoga a day. Uh, also, for me, because I'm not traveling, we spend 150 to 200 days of the year on the road. I'm able to have routine. And uh, part of that routine can involve, um, you know, meditation, breath work, uh, an hour drinking coffee, which to me is an amazing meditation. Rodney and I sit together and we don't use our phones for that hour. So this pandemic has deepened the yoga practice um, in many ways for a lot of people that I know. Yeah. And I think for me, um, what I would love to come out of this is, is, you know, for students, the ability to deepen their practice and be able to find more of those steps and teachers and styles and um, just have access to these things that are amazing. And then I think for um, for teachers and for studios to kind of give them this ability to not just always be, you know, they, the meter is running and that's the only way that they can make it financially viable, that they're able to produce, you know, really and capture a body of work um, that can continue to um, they can continue to generate money on even when they're sleeping. So I, I think, and, and frankly, I think, you know, R Rodney was one of the very first people that really showed the power of that with um, doing the DVDs and going on Oprah and really like, ex I mean, that was honestly my first experience. My, I had a, um, a girlfriend who was a personal trainer and she was doing DVDs in the living room. That's the first time I actually ever saw yoga for, you know, other than just hearing about it and seeing what it was. So 
have giving that access to to everyone um, that that really wants to make uh, a business of yoga is is I think really powerful and hopefully will make it a more um, sustainable way of 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 making your income. The bottom line is we really don't know. Nobody knows what this is going to look like going forward. Um, it's brand new. It's going to be trial and error. Um, and there's going to be some pluses, some minuses. We're all going to have to shift, uh, the way we see it, the way we practice it. Um, and you know, in some ways it's sad because one of the, uh, most important aspects is to get a teacher and to go deep with that one teacher, um, to dig that well deep. And with so many offerings, that's going to be a lot more difficult with so many distractions. Uh, so there's so many pluses. Um, there are some things that are going to be more difficult, more challenging. But the bottom line is we don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think we do know, though, that this the scary thing that we're coming up to is that we do know that sort of the the studio model is very perilous with 70 you know 25 percent capacity most most studios are are uh you know they're not they're not money machines um anyway it's it's, (laughs) in in any way and and so to basically reduce the ability to um get students by 75 percent is uh that that just doesn't add up with with just rent for for most owners and so um yeah, I think we're going to have this transition period, you know, kind of we're, it seems like we're in a three act play where there's lockdown and maybe we're, we're halfway through act one, then there's going to be sort of the reopening phase. And then there's going to be the post vaccine phase, hopefully. And in the reopening phase, I mean, the numbers really don't add up. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be, there are going to be a lot of transitions, not just the one that we've already had, I think, through through the next few years. And this is what keeps me awake at night. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is what yeah. I spend my time uh, thinking about, worrying about, is the studio that I love and I've been running for 22 years. Yeah. I think the good news is that progress will find a way. And it seems like both of you guys are sort of paving the way for that. And I thank you for sharing your insights on that with us today. Where can our listeners check out your classes online? Um, Right now, uh, Zoom for Rodney and I, we're teaching on Zoom uh, Tuesdays, uh, Fridays, and Saturdays at 11. We're adding probably starting next week, uh, 6.30 on Wednesdays and 11 on Sundays. And how do we find your Zoom classes? You go to yogashanti.com. That's our Excellent. website. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. And Sean? And yeah, it's just union.fit has all of our various um, teachers and studios and, and their offerings. So you can just search and, and find them and join one of their classes. Perfect. And stay tuned. You might be finding Colleen Rodney and Yoga Shanti on Union Fit in the very near future. Awesome. Well, we will keep <laughs> our eyes exciting. out for that. Thank you, guys. That'd be exciting. <laughs> All right. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. A lot. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Colleen and Sean for talking with us today. This concludes our creativity series for The Yoga Show. Tune in in two weeks when we will be back with a brand new episode and a brand new theme to match our July-August issue on energy. Until then, keep the conversation going on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me at Linz.Tucker, that's Linz with a D, 
on Instagram for behind-the-scenes looks at Yoga Journal and beyond. The Yoga Show is produced by me, Lindsay Tucker, and Aviv Rubenstein. Follow him on social media at Rambo Calrissian. Theme music by Katie Canavan. More from her on Instagram at Accordion to Katie. So until next time for The Yoga Show, I'm Lindsay Tucker. We'll see you on the map. If you're looking for ways to decompress while discovering fresh perspectives on yoga and wellness, tune into our sister podcast, Why Now? Hosts Monica and Cameron talk to yogis from around the country on the intersections of self-care, social justice, relationships, and more. Find it at yogajournal.com slash podcasts.